Come on, man. Come on. If you're set apart this morning, would you stand on your feet for the reading of God's word? Excited to be with you this morning. I'm fired up, man. Two services. And uh, I'm going to read this word, and then we're going we're gonna to get into what God has for us today. Leviticus chapter 16. If you have paper Bibles, go ahead and open those. You can look real closely and squint, or you can trust what we put on the screen is, is mostly accurate. All right, praise God. It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they drew near before the Lord and died. And in 16.2 it says, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coats and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban these are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Verse 20, it says, and when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goats and Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities. Everybody say all. All the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area. He shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Will you join me in praying? Father, we love you. It's our deep prayer that we came to church today to begin to glorify you and recognize who you are, Lord Jesus, the Lord of our lives. And God, as a people of God come together today, I pray that you would just feed us from your word. Jesus, teach us what it means to be a people holy and set apart and to be recipients of the grace that you have bestowed upon us. We're so grateful for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a high five and then have a seat. You made it. We, uh, <clears throat> we started the series this year set apart with our Every Nation Global Churches, our family of churches globally. And as you may or may not know, we're in 84 other countries spreading the gospel. We're a part of a movement called Every Nation because we believe in planting churches in every nation. In fact, we're sending a mission trip team this spring break to St. Thomas, where we'll plant a church. And if you're interested, there's a flyer on the table outside or or you can scan our QR code or whatever. You can sign up. We have an information meeting about St. Thomas. But we believe in planting churches. And with our global family of churches, we come together and we said, the word of the Lord this year for our movement is to be a set-apart people, to be a holy people. Now, this is an interesting topic because it takes 
a lot of diving into and there's some nuances to be had because what can happen oftentimes is we can fall into a place to be a set apart means it's, it's creating a behavior modification in order to become a people. But I want to say that you're already a people who are now representing what you already became. Amen. And this is our heart is that we'd be a set apart people to represent who God called us to be in a great way. And and I, for one, know that sin is lurking all around. How many know that's true? Sin. Sin with your eyes, sin with your actions, sin with your lips. Sin is so prevalent, and it's important for the people of God to know that we aren't like the world, but God has set us apart to be a different type of people. And what we read in the Old Testament, this Torah, this law, we read this moment where God chose a people, and he set them apart from all other people, not for some be some hierarchical system, not some elitism, but he set them apart to be a representative to all the other people on the earth. That God loves the earth and his creation. He loves the people around us. He loves Jew and Gentile. Amen. This is what God loves. He, he loves this and he loves to set them apart to be a different people, to be a representative on earth and at luminous church we are a people who are set apart in this city to be altogether different so that when people see you they see god when they see the way that you love one another treat one another they see who god is and how amazing he is but i want to tell you sometimes i don't feel like repping anybody else sometimes i just don't want to represent Sometimes sin, it, it, it snares. The Bible says sin is a snare. It, it, it quickly comes inside you, entangles itself around you, and you find yourself caught up. He didn't realize how quickly it became. It's much like a dog. You may have a dog in here. Hey, you ever seen the dog chase the tail? It just goes around in circles and just keeps chasing. It keeps running. It keeps going. Have you seen that? And then what happens? It gets tired. It falls over, and then it gets back up, and then all of a sudden... Uh-oh, what happens? Starts chasing the tail, starts going around again and again until it's exhausted and falls over. I want to say sometimes for those who are in Christ, we find ourselves like dogs chasing tails. We find ourselves where sin starts creeping up and we start chasing and chasing and chasing. And then we get exhausted, go to church. Then we leave and then, uh-oh, it's right there. We start chasing Again, we start chasing sin. You see, sin moves us into a place where it moves our focus on what's ahead and puts our focus to self. You, isn't it interesting? The dog is chasing itself. Isn't that what sin is? It's the sensuality of self. Isn't that what we fall into oftentimes? You see, we can get caught up sinning, and, and the Lord knew this, and he wanted us to be a set-apart people. And so he wrote this out for those who he chose in the Old Testament and for those in the New Testament who are in Christ. He has set this up, and I want to explain how this works. You see, first off, we must realize in being a set-apart people, we must realize what we're set apart to, who we're set apart for, and how being set apart is a being a holy people. Holiness. Being set apart is being holy. 
And we must first understand that our sin is much worse than we think. It's much more worse than we think. That sin offends a holy God. In fact, God will have no part of sin. He's not going to let sin in his house. He's not going to be around sin. He has no part in sin. In fact, what does God do? He begins to judge sin. He begins to incinerate sin. He begins to kill it. And because of sin, we are separated. We learned that from Pastor Edgar last week. Holiness lost. That we were created to be a holy people just like Adam and Eve. Holy, perfect people in this holy place, in this dwelling place. But it was lost. But our God is holy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, Paul would say this. He says, who alone has immortality? Who dwells in unapproachable light? Whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. God is completely holy. In fact, the writer, Paul, would say he, he exists in an unapproachable light. That his light is so bright, it can't be compared to anything that we see. Sometimes we like to compare him to the solar eclipse. Amen. Like, well, just look at the sun. Can you imagine how bright the sun is? God is like that. No. God is much brighter than that. He is much more magnificent than that. He is much more unimaginable than that. He is much more unapproachable than even the sun. His radiance has, it moves throughout the earth. And when we look at the sun, it's just a mere glimpse of something that he created, just a fraction of the light that he possesses. Oh, uh, we can ascribe to God through our goodness, through our grace, through the things that we see, the things that we are made, but, but it all falls short of how amazing God is and how holy he is, how completely righteous he is, completely right. No wrong inside of him. No lie has he ever told. He is completely perfect. And, and sometimes we like to describe things like, like Pastor E, he's wearing 49ers right here. 49ers, I'm sorry. I don't know why, but he's wearing that, you know. And you know what? If I were to describe Pastor E's shirt, and I'd describe the 49ers and his 23, whoever that represents, and all that fun stuff, that would, that would be a mere fraction to describe who Edgar is. How he's made, how he's created, what's inside of him, the complexities of his DNA strands, all that he does and possesses. You see, this thing that he's wearing that was created just is a little glimpse of Pastor E, but it doesn't nearly describe him. And when you look at all of creation, it barely touches who God is and how holy he is. So when you see the holiness of God, all of a sudden we realize that he doesn't like sin in the camp. He doesn't like sin in the way, in fact, God will move in such a way that he will consume any sin that is around. Hebrews 12, 29 would say, for our God is a consuming fire. He will consume sin. He will annihilate sin. He will destroy sin, much like we would destroy a cockroach if it was sitting on our toothbrush. How many of you just love it? You know, like we, I want to tell you, your sin is like a cockroach dancing in your sink and on your dishes. And it's amazing how we just let it sit there. 
But how many of you know that, that no person in their right mind other than Joe's apartment, like nobody else, is going to let a cockroach sit right there on the sink? What are you going to do? You want to get your flamethrower that Elon Musk sold, and you're going to, you, anybody own one of those in here? I hope you do. I want to borrow it. And you're going you're gonna to annihilate that thing. I know people move apartments because they had a cockroach infestation. Little people will move to a place of holiness when they have a sin infestation. Little people, not few people, but our God is a consuming fire. I want to tell you about how he moves. You see, when Adam disobeyed one thing, one, tell your neighbor one, he was cast out of the holy place. Gone, out of my garden. Cockroaches can't be here. Sin can't abide. You look at, at Lot moving from Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're moving, and, and the angel says, don't turn back. And what does Lot's wife do? Oh, I miss my place. Boom, salt. Done. God takes sin seriously. Moses leading all the people out of the promised land, through the sea, doing all these things, unbelievable. I mean, what, what the anointing on Moses, this prophet who was moving forward, this judge who was sitting there uh, laying things right and wrong and, and moving in this place, what does he do? Taps a rock twice. Twice. One moment of anger. You can't get to, to the promised land. One moment. One sin. One thing. We read the Torah, we read the Old Testament, we read these things, but you can even fast forward into Acts chapter 5. And you have Ananias, Sapphira, what did they do? They lie. They lie to God. They lie to the church. And what does God do? Dead. Dead. You see, God took it seriously because my people, my bride is a pure bride, a holy bride, a set apart people. I'm not going to let sin come into the camp. I'm going to have nothing to do with it. I will annihilate it. I am a consuming fire. Psalm 92, 15, to declare the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. When you begin to talk about God, the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. The same God back in Genesis to the same God. Thank you. Um, I'm not ready yet. But the same God in Acts chapter 5. Too fired up, man. Same God. Same God, right? Same God. Moving in these places. We realize, like, man, there is a reverence. Some of us are like, man, did I sin? Oh, man, did I lie? You're checking yourself right now. Good. Good. We need to check ourselves. We need to see what's going on. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to see what's happening inside of our soul. And it moves us into a place from no longer being prideful, but moving to humility. Being meek, humble. We walk in gentleness out of the fear of God. Any latchkey kids growing up in here? Yeah, a few of us. This gen next generation doesn't know what that means, you know, because they have ring, you know. You're a ring kid? You know, it's just like crazy. 
Like latchkey, and my parents both worked, and we'd stay at home, and we'd lock all the locks, and I'd deadbolt all these locks. And if I heard a noise outside, I'd put some chairs next to it. I could load it up my Nerf guns. I was ready. Anybody come through there, they're gone. But there is one thing. The Gians are here. What's up, Gians? Straight from Cali. Good to see you guys. Man, I, I was in this place, man, where I grew up, and you know there was rules in the house. And if you disobeyed the rules before the authority got home, before, before mom and dad got home, what happened? You get whooped. So I say it loud. You get what? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all don't know what that means. You get your iPad taken away. <laughs> I parent like that. You get the belt, man. Here comes the belt. Here comes the spoon with the holes in it so it travels faster. You know, it's all this happens. You see, you see when, when, when sin begins to happen, when there's a disruption of the authority in the house, when the authority shows up, uh-oh. And all of us knew growing up there was a awe and a fear of the authority in the house. There is a fear when it comes to God when you realize how holy he is. Revelation 4.8 talks about the seraphim, the angels around the throne. And what do they do? Night and day, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is coming home to the house to check on his bride, for his bride. And as holy as he is, as magnificent as he is, it puts this all in us. Moses, when he was meeting with God on Mount Sinai, he was up in the cloud. God was meeting in him with him. He was getting the tablets. He was getting all the commands, the ways to unfold, the strategy, the plan to lead this people into the promised land. He was download, getting downloaded from God. And when he comes down from the mountain, what happens? His face begins to shine. And, oh, it is not God himself, but it is the, the essence of just being in God's presence. His face began to shine, And what did the people do? Moses, put something over your face because you are so bright. We can't even look at you. The mere reflection of God's glory and, and what God has established is so bright. See, God is holy, but the great news is that God's grace is also more than we could imagine. God's grace is also more than we could imagine. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to 14, it says this, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats, and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh. How much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? That God's grace came through Jesus. 
And when Jesus came, he was not just the sacrifice that happened yearly, but he was the eternal sacrifice. He was, he was the good enough lamb, if you will, to, to give of himself to be sacrificed. And when he did, it made atonement, not just for the year, not just for the decade, but for eternity. And when Jesus came and he gave his life, what did he do when he resurrected to heaven? He sat down. Everybody say sat down. He sat down. You see, it was done. There didn't need to be another sacrifice. He sat down, and that sacrifice was enough to make atonement for the sins of those around us. His grace is so good. His grace is amazing. And in Leviticus chapter 16, what we see about Moses, we see, or, or, or <clears throat> what we see in this moment, we see in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29, it says, and it shall be a statute to you Forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. That he moved in this place of Yom Kippur. That he, he, he moved in this place of moving in Leviticus 16 of instituting once a year. There's going to be a moment when all the sins that are committed by the people, the high priest will go into the tent of meeting. Him alone will go. And when he goes, everybody else should cease from working. It's why this festival, everybody parties and hangs out and just is so grateful. There's so much gratitude because the high priest in this moment is making atonement for the sins that we committed. And he moves in a place. One goat, he sacrifices. The other goat... He places and puts the iniquity of everyone and sends it out into the wilderness. It's the fulfillment of what the psalmist would say is that your, your, your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. So far, our transgressions have been moved from us. As a goat is placed and the sin is placed on the goat, it's sent out into the wilderness never to return. That your sins would depart. Jesus was the ultimate one. When he went, he went in this place of being the sacrificial lamb, playing, making atonement for us. But he also went to the wilderness where he began to move to the accuser who was sitting there, the devil. And he began to say that I am taking the kingdom back and I'm making an unholy people a holy people by what I'm going to do on that cross and through the power of the resurrection. Amen. This is what Jesus did for us. And we move in this place of celebration, excitement, of joy. And just like the Israelites used to celebrate this moment, there was this moment of faith that happened. You see, the Israelites believed that their iniquities and their sins were forgiven every year that when the goat was set out. There was faith placed in the high priest to take care of the sin. It's likened to uh, this, which we all know, is our faith is placed and the high priest to take care of our sin. That God wants to take care of every sin that we will ever commit and do. And it's why on Sunday we meet and we remember the Lord. 
We recount his goodness and his grace. And what do we do? We cease striving. Well, you didn't show up today to check a box so that God would be pleased with you. You came today to say, God, thank you for already being pleased with me. Thank you for already taking care of the cockroaches on my toothbrush. Thank you for already forgiving the sins that I've committed and everything that I've done. Thank you for forgiving and wiping my slate clean. And we give you praise and we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come that he is enough. He is enough. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, but God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 8, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In the Old Testament, in Yom Kippur, we have this moment where the high priest is making atonement. And what did the people do? They were resting. They were resting. They were resting. There was a Sabbath rest throughout the whole day. You couldn't do anything. All you could do was rest and enjoy. And the people who tried to do, done. Didn't make it. It was the people who sat back and rested. Are we going to be a people who sit back and rest? Are we going to rest in God's goodness and his grace for our life? Are we going to rest that he has made uh, the, the, everything that we need for godliness and righteousness? He's given us everything that we need. And the truth is, is, man, I came in with some cockroaches today. You know what I mean? It's just like they still come up. The tail sometimes still wags, even for the Christian. And we find ourselves sometimes starting a cycle. It's called a cycle of sin, where it's like dabble, sin, repent, repeats. And we constantly go in the circle over and over and over again. But the good news, and the grace of God is this. I've already paid for it. Son, daughter, quit chasing that which won't satisfy you. It's amazing the dog rarely catches the tail. Exhausted. And when he does chase the tail, he realized, oh, that hurt. That didn't satisfy. The thing that satisfies you is right ahead of you. The prize in which we fix our eyes. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? moment to experience Jesus just for a moment. This work of constantly, consciously grabbing hold of the work that Jesus has done, that the high priest has done, the atonement that he's paid for. It's a progressive work. We constantly move to this place 
of confession. Lord, I messed up. Forgive me. I partake of your holiness. Forgive me. I partake of your holiness. Forgive me. I partake of your righteousness. Some of us need to make honest confessions this week. Jesus, is there anything that I'm hiding that I need to confess, that I need to lay at your feet? Anything that's keeping me from great? The, the question that we could be asking is, Holy Spirit, work on me. Work on me this week. Where I'm imperfect, where I'm not quite there, you've already done it. Let me agree with you in that. In that area of my life, I come in an agreement. And lastly, will you Sabbath from your striving? Will you let Jesus do the work? Mold you, shape you, change you, transform you, sanctify you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, and we love you. We praise you this morning. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name.